And in today's training, I want to share with you some thoughts about scaling your business. Scaling your business. When we think about scaling your business, we think about growing it to a new level. And a lot of times when we think about scaling a business, we think about taking it just like it is and then just multiplying it over and over and over again. I think that the place that that comes from is a volume mentality or a franchise mentality. So, for example, if you're familiar with a franchise chain, you know that there's one store and then they sell a franchise to somebody else or they open up a new location. You have the same store multiplied 500 times. Or if you think about volume, you say, okay, we're selling 100 widgets. Now we're going to sell a million widgets. We're just going to increase advertising by a million times. And then we'll do more business. And so on paper and in theory and in business school, that's a great model. And obviously, in the case of a franchise, that's often how it works. But in real life, when you're going to real business, that's usually not how it works. So there's a few reasons why that doesn't work. Number one, from a technological standpoint, you hit breakpoints. And, and I don't know that there's a scientific reason for it or not, but you hire so many people and you can't manage them by yourself anymore. You say, well, that's easy. I'll just hire somebody that can manage them. The problem is if you hire somebody that can manage them as well as you can manage them, they're not in the market of managing people for other people. They're running their own business. So it becomes difficult find people that can manage those folks exactly the same way that you do. And so now the next kind of the next growth place is saying, okay, well, how do we put into place a, a personnel growth program? So it's, it's not just about multiplying the number of widgets that are sold. It's also about personnel, for example. So when you're really small, paperwork is easy. When you grow, paperwork becomes more difficult. When we think about it, we say, well, you know, if I'm, I'm advertising $100 a day on pay-per-click and I want to grow 10 times, all I've got to do is spend 10 times more. Unfortunately, that usually doesn't work because what happens is when you've optimized your campaign, you've optimized for the best keywords and you've optimized for the highest conversion rate. But unless you're spending every single dollar at that highest level, and usually you're not, what it means is that in order to grow, you have to learn to work with the next tranche of profitability down. So your initial clicks are 50 cents a click, and you can go from, let's say, and this is totally hypothetical, this is just to give you an example, to give yourself something to wrap your mind around here. Let's say you're buying $100 a day of pay-per-click, and let's just say that the market will bear you buying $300 a day at $0.50 cents a click, so you scale up to that $300 level. Then what happens is you say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump the budget to $500. And all of a sudden, your average margin comes down because all of a sudden you're paying $0.70 cents or $0.90 cents a lead across the board because you're now paying the higher rate that you would only pay for the for the next tranche, which is between $301 and, say, $500. Well, 
But because it's all one big campaign, you've had to raise your bids. All of your bids go up. And so let's say before you were you're paying 50 cents. It doesn't matter what it is. It's 50 cents a subscriber, 50 cents a click, 50 cents a view. It's just a number. So we have a $300 divided by 50 cents. We're getting 600 actions. Let's call that 600 views. So we're getting 600 actions for $300 at 50 cents. But let's say when you bump up to $500, and you don't know this ahead of time. You've been kind of plugging along. It's taken year to year to get to this $300 level, and you feel good about it. You sit down on January 1st, you budget, you blueprint, and you say, well, we can afford another $200 a day. The first day that that happens, you're $500. Remember, you were generating 600 units before at $300. Now you go to $500, and the unit cost goes up to $0.70 cents a piece, which into $500 is just about 720 units. So now for an extra $200, you're only getting another 110 units. You don't realize it right away because when you look at your autoresponder account, you're getting more subscribers. When you look at your pay-per-click account, you're getting more subscribers. You look at that number and you go, well, I wonder if some folks are bidding against me today or is something weird going on today. It's easy to let this go 10 days. Easy to let this go 10 days. You let this go 15 days. And now you're beginning to, to, to not be profitable on a portion of your leads, but you don't know which portion. And, and so we could go on and on. There's ways to fix that. But all I want to do is share this idea that scalability is not straight line. You're going to have breakpoints. You're in breakpoints in personnel. You're going to have breakpoints in, in traffic sources. You know, you may get to a certain level and say, okay, we've got to add a new traffic source. Well, remember how hard it was to find the first traffic source. The second traffic source will be hard as well. Another thing that happens is you say, well, I've optimized my squeeze page. It's a perfect squeeze page now. No, you haven't optimized your squeeze page. You have optimized the behavior of your squeeze page to a very specific traffic source and keyword set. But if you were to even change to a different keyword set or you change to a different traffic flow, your squeeze page is no longer optimized for that source. The first danger is we've, we're throwing all the traffic to the same squeeze page. We see, we see profitability and conversion rate go down. So we begin to adjust it and optimize it for the new environment but what we don't realize is that by doing that, we're reducing the effectiveness of that same squeeze page to the old traffic source. What we should have is two squeeze pages recognizing that the second squeeze page, second traffic source, is going to convert completely differently and we're starting over from scratch. Now, we may use our experience, but we're not going to be able to use our conversion rate data. Hey, once again, I'll only share that with you to cement in your mind that scalability is not linear. So how does scalability truly happen? Realize how do you make scalability happen? The first thing is you've got to know why and what parts of your business are operating. And when you grow, you may make an initial iteration recognizing what I've just shared with you and say, can we increase the scale? Can we increase the volume by 25% and not have an appreciable loss in profit or not have an appreciable loss in subscriber quality, et cetera, et cetera? So we can do that. 
we do this in increments. So we do this 25% bump. We go, oh, wow, profit's gone down. We can immediately pull the throttle back to our old level and say, okay, we're going to leave the existing part of the business just like it is. We're going to start a new campaign with new profitability that's going to be separate from what we initially have. But, but if we're able to stretch the curve by 25%, profitability doesn't go down, or if it goes down, it's very, very little. We can say, okay, can we do it again? Can we stretch by another 25%? It's important that we look at this in segments, because if we don't, we see this a lot, folks try to grow too fast, and they end up hemorrhaging profit, and they don't know what their restore point is. So, for example, just give you an idea of a restore point. When you work with your website, every day at the end of the day you hit save, or you've got a backup system that hits save. Well, if you go in one day, as I have and you've probably done in the past, you mess something up. You upload an incompatible plugin, or where you upgrade a plugin, it's no longer compatible with something else on the on your website, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You can always go back to yesterday's snapshot and just start over. When you're scaling, a lot of times, if you don't know what yesterday's snapshot is, you can't go backwards. So we want to make sure that we have breakpoints that we know that we can go backwards to, if whatever it is doesn't work. Second thing is, we want to think along the lines of a simple system scaled. A simple system scaled. We don't want to add complexity. When you add complexity to your business, especially for the sake of complexity, a lot of times you'll add new software because it sounds good. You'll add new software because you feel like it might make things easier. The question is, do you have a problem with the existing software, with the exception of the fact that some people would tell you that it's seven years old. But do you have a do you have a real problem with the old software? Is the old software doing everything that it should be doing? If so, I don't recommend upgrading. Because when we upgrade, we generally become more complex. Okay? Now that's not to say that when you look at an older piece of software and say, well, it's not doing what we want it to do anymore. You see, we should always evaluate new software based on what we want it to do. We should not adjust our business based on what the new software can do. Now, does that mean that we can't evaluate a software package and go, wow, that's a pretty cool feature? I wonder if we add that one feature in our business in a testing phase, does it make things better? Do we like that? What happens a lot of times is folks will retrofit their entire business to a new piece of software. The business isn't working right anymore, but they don't know why. Once again, they don't know what those breakpoints are, and they don't know what they exceeded. But if we say, okay, great, I'm going to test out this one new feature in a controlled environment, say, wow, the feature works or the feature doesn't work. The moral of the story, we want to stay simple. We don't want to add complexity. So, for example, a simple model, and it's a model I've taught for a long time, I've done this personally for a long time, is to simply create a new product every week or every month. So, for example, for the last 11 years, just about every single month of my existence for the last 11 years, I've created a minimum of one new product. And almost, almost every week for the last 11 years, I've created at least one new training track, like what I'm doing right now, which oftentimes becomes a new product. So somewhere between one and four new products every single month. 
this allows us to do two things, allows me to do two things. But remember, it's still a simple system. There's no complexity. There's adding one more track. It allows me to beef up the membership. It allows me to offer folks that have been studying with me for a long period of time the opportunity to get something fresh every week or every month. And then obviously, it allows folks that are coming in brand new to have the opportunity to feel like they're learning something that is brand new because it is. So there's a lot of advantage to that. And obviously, I teach a simple model that only takes an hour or two a week to be able to create new new product. And what we find is that most people waste more than an hour a week on things that aren't helping their business. If you just swap out the thing you're wasting for an hour or two of product creation, at the end of the year, you got 50 to 75 hours worth of training. Or we look at traffic. We can we can layer on traffic. We can say this is working in a pay-per-click environment. What are the top 10 websites where we're getting the most traffic from in a pay-per-click environment? Okay, great. Is there an organic thing we can do to those websites? So there's just, just one question there. We could have a 1,000 questions. We can say we can look at, at demographics and say the demographics of the folks or really the psychographics of the folks that are visiting this particular website where we're getting paid traffic from are similar to the psychographics of folks on a different website where we can't get paid traffic, but we can get involved in organic stream, for example. Now, obviously, we haven't gotten into scaling yet. If, if anything, I've kind of told you about the pitfalls so we can think about scaling. I'm going to introduce a concept that if you'll grasp it, it will totally and radically change your perception of the future in your business. Let me go back to one more challenge. And I think I alluded to it. But one more challenge is that when you're growing your business, you become, might I use the word addicted, you become addicted to a certain price level, a certain profit level, per subscriber. So if you're at $20 per subscriber in revenue and you're getting 100 new subscribers a month at $20 a subscriber, you're generating $2,000 a month. When you add a new traffic source on, that new traffic source performs at $15 per subscriber and it's scary. In fact, it doesn't live up to the old traffic. It doesn't live up to the old profitability and so it's easy for us to feel like, well, I haven't found the right thing yet to grow it. Here's the truth of the matter is if we grow from 100 to 200 subscribers and per month and we grow from, we, we shrink from $20 per subscriber in revenue down to $15 per subscriber in revenue, that's pretty scary. It's like our business is shrinking. There's something wrong with it. But if we look at total profit, we look at $100, or if we're talking about the revenue number, maybe it's the revenue number. 100 people times $20 in revenue is $2,000 a month, but 2,000 people times $15 in revenue is $3,000 a month, which is growth. So it's really easy for us to become proud of, especially if it's a high number, or addicted to if it's a living wage type of number, if it's a, if it's a number that is allowing you to have a certain comfort level, then it is scary to deviate from that number. But the truth of the matter is, 
when your list is small, it's easier to give more personal attention. So, for example, if you have a list of 5,000 subscribers and you get 10 emails a day asking something relevant, you can take 10 minutes a day and respond to all those emails and it's not too stressful, it's not emotionally or psychologically damaging or anything like that. But because of your response, personal response, you sell more than if you didn't personally respond. And that goes into your revenue per subscriber. Now, we're going to go to the extreme opposite and say that you're getting a million or you have a list of a million subscribers. So you get 10,000 emails a day. It's not possible for you to respond to all those. Now, you can hire people and hire whatever you want to call them, customer service techs, you can call them content specialists, you can call them your clone, whatever you want to call them, to answer those those emails, but it's not the same. And so just by virtue of, on one count, just by virtue of the fact that your business is bigger, you are unable to fulfill answering emails personally in the same way that you could when the business was small, and that may slice your total revenue per subscriber in half, but might not 30% off. There's nothing you can do about that. Nothing. Now, can you make tweaks? Yes. But can you solve the problem? You're not going to be able to solve the problem. Because even if you say, well, I'm going to try to answer 10,000 emails a day, you can do that for a few days until you got sleep, and then, wow, you wake up the next day and there's 20,000. It's not. It's simply not possible. So as we grow, we also become less in touch with what the folks on the list exactly need. And it doesn't mean that we can't come up with good ideas. Obviously, the things that we've created in the past are still good ideas. They converted well in the past. They'll convert well in the future. The truth of the matter is you can run exactly the same campaign in an autoresponder environment as opposed to a live environment, it's probably not going to perform as well. And it doesn't mean we're going to stop doing autoresponders, but we have to recognize there's going to be a 15 or 20% drop in revenue or profit, whatever the case may be. We could go on and on with this, but what we have to recognize is there's multiple points at which scaling is going to reduce the profit. All of that's really scary. All of that holds most people back from being able to realistically scale because every time they begin scaling, it feels like their business is falling apart. I've been there. I've been there. I, 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 I share some of this with you from personal experience. I'll put the foot on the gas and heat things up. Things begin to grow. And then there's a, there's a, a part of it that's not operating exactly the way that it should. And sometimes rather than putting a laser focus on fixing that one part, like, well, we've got two other broken parts over here, there's something else going on, there's something else going on, you know what, we're just going to stop it all and go back to the break point. Now, obviously, going back to the break point we talked about is extremely important. And so I, want, I share that with you so that you'll understand that you're not the only one. There's others on this call, there's people all over the world, there's me that, that have had that type of situation occur. I want to share with you a revelation that I had a few years ago about volume and profit. Volume and profit. 
see, here's the thing. Your goal is to change people's lives and make a living plus some. That's your goal. Change people's lives and make a living plus some. Let's just assume that make a living is $5,000 a month. Now, if we have a hypothetical situation where with 100 subscribers, you can generate $5,000 a month, you can change 100 lives for $5,000 a month. Or let's say if we zone up to 1,000 people, new people, so you can change 1,000 new lives every month. And let's just pretend for a moment that revenue does not go up by a penny. It stays at $5,000. If that's the case, are you not changing lives and making a living? You see, what happens a lot of times is folks say, well, if I, if I scale and I'm not making more money, what's the point? Well, the point is you're changing more lives. But secondarily, what it means is that down the road, you have the opportunity to generate more revenue because you haven't had a bump in revenue because you haven't fine-tuned and tweaked things. But let's just imagine that you start out with, say, 100 subscribers a month. You're generating $50 in revenue per subscriber, so you're at, per new subscriber, so you're at $5,000 a month. Let's say we grow the business to 1,000 new folks per month, and that revenue stayed exactly the same. That would mean that you've dropped down to $5 in revenue per subscriber. Now, is that necessarily all so bad? You say, Sean, that's just ridiculous. I want you to wrap your mind around the fact that it actually didn't hurt you at all. Um, I'm obviously throwing out a revenue number. I probably should be calling that a profit number because we have to account for the cost of acquisition. But again, it's a hypothetical situation. I just want you to wrap your mind around an idea. So let's say that now we're at $5 per subscriber, but let's imagine that that $5 per subscriber is scalable. 50 was not, but 5 is. So now we move to 2,000 subscribers a month times $5 per subscriber, and now we have doubled our revenue to $10,000 a month. And so what this means is that as you grow, especially when you grow to a radical place, you can make less and less and less per subscriber. What this means is that your business model can change in such a way that you can make less per subscriber, and it's okay. So instead of releasing a new product every week, you go to releasing a new product once a month, or instead of optimizing every conversion rate and taking five hours a week to do it, you stop optimizing, the revenue goes down by 20%, but that's okay because you're focusing on volume. Imagine if we extrapolate this in the future. You know, imagine if we said, you know, I want to go for a million subscribers a month. I really want to go big. Truth of the matter is, in order for you to reach that initial $5,000 a month, all you've got to make is, and you can do the math on it, I think it's like a nickel. So instead of $50 a subscriber, instead of $5 a subscriber, it's whatever it is. It's .05 or it's .5 or something like that. It's low. It's like a nickel. You say, well, that would be embarrassing, but it's okay, isn't it? And then you can use that as the new growing point. You can use that as the new growing point. You can focus on volume instead of profit. We must let go of maximum profit percentage in order to achieve maximum 
total profit, and then small tweaks make a huge difference. You see, once you've scaled up to that new level and your revenue, your profit per subscriber has gone down, now we can reevaluate, we can retest based on the lower level of interaction and the higher level of automation and say, now what can we do to move the needle? You know, we've gone from $50 a subscriber to $5 a subscriber, but we've doubled or tripled 10 times or 100 times or 1,000 times the number of subscribers. What can we do now to bump that by 10%? What can we do now to bump that by 20%? Okay, so let's go into the third stage. Where you're at now, what's it going to take for you to scale? So we talked first of all about what holds so many folks back from scaling. We've talked about a mindset shift that if you'll fully embrace it, if you'll fully embrace this idea that you can, the bigger you go, the lower your profit percentage per individual has to be. And, and, and by the way, please don't think I'm saying that it, it, that, that number has to go down, although it will, it will go down. It doesn't have to go down dramatically. And, and don't think that I'm saying that we want to tolerate that for all time. This is just a mindset shift. I want you to get the mindset that you could scale almost infinitely with no increase in net revenue, and it wouldn't be a problem as long as you had systems in place that you weren't burning out and all of that good stuff. So how do you scale? Wherever you're at, how do you scale? One way to scale is to increase the products. If you've got one product for sale, and the maximum number of people on your list that's probably going to buy one product is about 3%. You get 100 subscribers in and you've got one product at $30, likely you're going to 3% times $30, $90 per 100 subscribers in is 90 cents a subscriber, period. But if you have two products and half of the people that bought the first one buy the second one, and then some additional people buy the second one because they didn't want the first one. Now you have an opportunity to capture 5% of your list. And with the third product, 6%. And with 30 products, 15%. With 50 products, 20%. Now you've got, because you've got 20 products or 30 products, they're on different topics, related topics to what you have. You're going to have two types of buyers. Number one, you're going to have buyers that didn't want the other 29 items. They don't need it. They need this one, and so they'll buy. And you also have serial buyers, people that buy everything that you produce. Both of those combined increase your, your subscriber conversion rate. You see, it's one thing to look at a sales page and say, well, that sales page is converting at 3%. What's the point in having another product at 3%? Well, the point is that some people will buy twice. Some people will buy something that they wouldn't have the first time. This allows us to go from a theoretical 3% conversion rate to 15 or 20%. So if you have a 20% conversion rate at, say, a $30 product, we've got $600 in revenue on 100 subscribers. We're at the $6 per subscriber. Why? Because we have more products available. So that's one way we can do it. Another way that we can grow is by leveraging our traffic. I think one mistake that folks oftentimes make in leveraging traffic is they're always looking for that golden egg. They're always looking for that golden egg. The truth of the matter is if you're getting 100 subscribers a month right now, you're looking at a new traffic source, you're like, 
So this new traffic source must produce 200 subscribers or it's not worth it. Really? In theory, all it needs to do is one more subscriber and you're better off than you were. Because if next month you can generate 101 subscribers, you're better off than you were. And next month you can generate 102, you're better off than you were. You say, Sean, that's an awful lot of work for 12% growth each year. No, the truth of the matter is 12% growth in almost any business in the world is good growth. That's good growth. You know, I get you're working out of your basement, so your fixed costs are really, really low. So you want to have growth that's a whole lot higher than average. That's okay. But when we have this mindset that we can grow something where there's an incremental increase, we don't have to look for a golden egg. A lot of times folks will, sometimes folks will ask me, where's your traffic coming from? Well, the bulk of it comes from these three or four different places, but I get leads on a regular basis from perhaps a hundred different sources, places I've invested in over the last ten years. People hear about me, I was interviewed, they hear about me there, they search for me, they find me on many, many different websites. Imagine if I had said, well, none of those websites, none of those websites, none of those interviews, none, none of those things was a golden goose. I, I'm, really, I'm looking for that golden goose. My business wouldn't be where it is today. No, don't get me wrong. I've looked for the golden goose before. When I find the golden goose, I hope I take advantage of the golden goose. But the truth of the matter is that most business, in most growth in your business is going to come incrementally. It's not going to come in huge leaps and bounds. It's going to come incrementally. And when you work on it incrementally, sometimes you find something and go, oh, wow, this can really scale and this is good. So sometimes the question about growth is, what could I do this month, leaving everything I have in place? What could I do this month that might yield me one more subscriber? What could I do this month that might yield me ten more subscribers? And if you did that every month for 10 months, you'd probably find a couple of places where you'd be like, wow, I didn't do a whole lot of work for 10 new subscribers. Could I double that to 20 or 30 or 40? This allows you to leverage your business. This allows you to leverage your business. So, folks, I hope that I've given you some inspiration along the lines of, of scalability. I want you, there is no one-size-fits-all uh, in this business. There's no one size fits all in this business. You've got to try things out in order to get where you want to go. And I think that if you'll take the time today, take out a stack of paper and draw some things out and say, where do I want the business to go? Where do I want it to be? Say, what's it going to take? What would the daily management of that business be? on a daily basis if that was the business I was running because that's the business I want to run, not the business that I have today. So the question is, are you going to get to the new level of business by doing the things that you're doing today or are you going to get to the new level of business by doing new things? You're going to get there by doing new things. Sometimes when we think about scaling, we think about obviously linearly, but we also think about bridging the gap between where we're at and where we want to go and we say what can we what what can we add on and obviously there's a place for that but 
sometimes when we draw that big picture out, we look at where we want to go. Let's say that you have a one little website right now with one product where you really want to do be is have a big platform with 50 products. Right now you have a small website that gets 10 visitors a day. You want a big platform where 100 people a day are vying for attention on a big forum. What you have right now is a very small website on uh, cheapo hosting that is really slow. What you really want is a lightning fast website where 100 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people a day could upload something and the site won't slow down. The truth of the matter is you're not going to go from one product to 50 by just doing what you've been doing for the last three years to get to one product. Something radical is going to have to shift. You're not going to get to where you have 1,000 visitors a day when you only have 10 visitors a day right now just by saying, how can I bridge that gap? And you have to say, what's it going to take to get 1,000 people there? You may have to turn your back on whatever you're doing right now or, or put what you're doing right now on autopilot and say, we're going to work on the traffic that's going to make that happen. So I would encourage you to draw it where you want your business to go, whether it's you want a big platform, whether it's you want a long sales funnel, whether you want whatever you want. The business model is yours. Now, sometimes I get the question, well, Sean, how do I know what will work? Well, that's the rub. You don't. As an entrepreneur, you never know what will work and what won't until you try it. You can have focus groups. You can have mastermind meetings. You can increase the odds that something might work by saying it worked for somebody else in a different environment. It worked for somebody else in a different way. But the truth of the matter is what you're getting ready to do, no matter what you're getting ready to do, you're doing something that nobody has ever done before. You have no idea if it'll work. None. And that's okay. You see, a lot of folks won't step out and try something new because they don't know what the result's going to be or they think that there is supposed to be a result, or worse yet, they say, okay, well, what I really want is a guarantee of success, and so they'll attempt to do something that somebody else says is guaranteed to succeed for you. There are no guarantees in entrepreneur land, and so therefore, if you do something that someone else says is guaranteed to work for you, it is not guaranteed to work for you, no matter what the sheet of paper says. For some folks, I know that's a tough pill to swallow because you want to know what's going to work. I do a lot of things in my business that don't work. Now, I'm a fast iterator, so if I try something that doesn't work, I quickly stop. Try something else. Does that work? Well, it works a little bit better. Great. We'll keep that going. We try enough things. We stumble on some things that work really, 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 really well. Now, that's not to say that we don't drink from the well of experience. If somebody else has experience, you can go learn what they're doing. What I am saying is that a lot of times it's really easy to fall into the trap saying, well, somebody else is doing it this way. Sales copy is a certain way. Communication is a certain way. And if I don't do it that way, it won't work. But then you do it that way and it doesn't work anyway. Why? Because it doesn't work for you. So I encourage you. Three steps. Number one. Obviously, internalizing everything I've shared with you. But number one, make a picture of what you want that business to look like. Number two, ask yourself, 
if I were running that business today, what activities would I be doing? And number three, ask yourself, how can I start doing those activities today instead of the ones that I've been doing? And folks, I believe when you take the time and take the effort to put this scaling plan in place, you can grow your business perhaps faster than you've ever thought.